Welcome to the BC Podcast, featuring a weekly message from Believer's Church in Warren, Ohio. For more information, visit www.believers.cc. I'm really excited about having my brother Tony here. For those of you that are newer here at Believer's, I have six, uh, I have six brothers, no sisters. Um, so there were seven of us, and uh, my brother Jim's the oldest who works here. He's our business manager. Tony was second. My brother Dave was third who passed away many years ago. I was number four. And then uh, my brother Michael, who pastors in Canton, was number five. My brother John, who works at Sims Buick across the street, was number six. My brother Pat works for the Tribune. He was our youngest brother. We call him our baby brother. And uh, we, had, we had a great time growing up. And uh, Tony is a, on the missions field. He's been on the missions field for years. He pioneered three Bible schools in Italy, one in Sicily, one in middle, the middle of Italy, Rome, and then one up in the north, Verona. And they were there for many years, and then God sent them to Singapore. They went to Singapore, and they pioneered a Bible school in Singapore and uh, were there many years, and then God sent them to Australia. They pioneered a Bible school there, and several years ago, Tony took over a church, so he's also pastoring a church in Australia, overseeing the Bible school, and I'm so excited to have him with us. Those of you that know his wife, Patsy, she's teaching in Colorado today, so she's at a different church, so you won't be able to say hi to Patsy. But Tony, you're a blessing to us. You've been an incredible blessing over the years. And he's, let's go ahead, Tony, stand up. Let's welcome him. I'm just really happy that many years ago, um, as you heard my brother say, we ha- I, I had, like he had, <laughs> six brothers. Uh, there came a time in our family, you know, we, uh, he mentioned my brother Dave who passed on, uh, and when that happened, we, we started to wonder, you know, is there really life after death, and is there really a God? And right around the time we start wondering that, somebody came and shared Jesus. Well, I, yeah, he starts sharing Jesus with my, my brother Joe, and then Joe uh, watched the 700 Club, this is like 30 plus years ago, and he accepted Jesus as his Lord. And then uh, what happened was, you know, he started to act so different around the house. Instead of walk, you know, like instead of walking around and beating everyone up, except, you know, I was his older brother. He did try to do that a few times with me. <laughs> but especially uh, the younger ones, he had this like, like happy face. And he had his, all this love coming out of his eyes. But we thought maybe he was in a cult, you know, because he was so different. So I told my mother, I said, they're brainwashing him. And he was going to this Bible school up in Boardman on Wednesday, a Bible study on Wednesday nights. And I said, I'm going to go to that Bible study. And I said, and if they're brainwashing him, I'm going to take him by the ear because I'm his older brother and I'm going to pull him out by the ear. And I said, and if any of those Christians try to stop me, I'll inflict some pain on them. Because I said, Christians are all sissies. You know, I didn't know. And so uh, much about Christians, you know. So I went to the Bible study, and it was at Casey's Restaurant, the corner of, uh, on 224 and Market Street and Boardman there, and I slid the door open, and when I looked into there, and if you don't know, that back at that time, my brother Joe and I we were in business together, and our business was we had a, like a health club, and we trained bodybuilders and, and powerlifters. That's what we did back then, and when I slid the door open, I looked, and there were 15 bodybuilders and powerlifters sitting around the table doing a Bible study. It was like there was an underground movement in our, tr- uh, our, our business, in our, and I didn't know about it, like an underground Christian movement. And so the first person I saw was Poochie, 
and, and like Pucci was a street fighter before he got saved, and he would usually come up to work out with black eyes, and what happened, I was out on the street in Youngstown, and this happened, and I got in a fight with this guy, and then I looked, and there was Steve Cattell, uh, and Steve Cattell could bench 500 pounds, I don't know how many reps, you know, and anybody that lifted weights, back when in my best days, I could do 300 pounds, but this guy could do 500 pounds, so I knew right away that I wasn't going to inflict pain on anybody. <laughs> so they had me sit down, and they opened up a Bible, and then my brother said, read that verse, and it was like John 3, 3, unless a man is born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. And I looked at my brother, and I pointed my finger at him, and I said, you know, and I, I mentioned the, the denomination that we grew up in, and you know I'm that, and you know that we're all going to heaven. And, and my brother made this really wise statement for somebody that was only saved for a few weeks. He said, no, only the ones that are born again are going to go to heaven. And I didn't know what to say to that, so I went back to the Bible study next, the next week. And, but then the third week when I was going to go back, I already decided I was going to get saved. I was going to accept Jesus as Lord. So I went back, and it seemed like that it took forever for that Bible study to end. And I'm thinking, I just want to get this over so I can accept Jesus and make him my Lord. Finally, they kicked us out because the, the guy leading the Bible study didn't know how to turn it off, you know. And so they kicked us out, and then I, I, just before when they were kicking us out, I said to him, I said, Lou, I want to be born again. And he like looked at me, and he said, really? He said, I thought maybe the devil sent you here to be a thorn in our flesh. He, and, and it's almost like he enjoyed me being there asking all those questions, and he didn't want me to get saved. <laughs> That's how it seemed. But we went outside, and these 15 and bodybuilders stood around me and held hands and once that happened I couldn't escape and I stood in the middle with Lou and he led me in a prayer of salvation and that's kind of my story but here's the thing I went to rescue my brother and I ended up getting rescued and so that's why I'm standing here today because uh, I went to rescue my brother and I got rescued and uh, if you're here today and maybe you're visiting or you've been to church before but you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord uh, later on, this is the day that you can get rescued, uh, you know, from death and coming into life. So I'm excited to be here. Uh, I love this church. I was here in the first, uh, on the first Sunday that they had a public meeting in a public building. I came back uh, with my brother from Bible school, and I was on the ground floor when this church got planted. I put a year into this church, and then uh, I, I needed to go back to Oklahoma to do something that the Lord had for me. But I'll always uh, follow this church, and I'll always care very much about this church because I put a year of my life in this church, and it means very much to me. So I just love to be here. Love you. Love you guys. It's good to be here. So we're doing before and after on prayer, and I'm really happy uh, to be a part of that and honored to be a part of this series. So here's a quote we'll start off with. And uh, before I read it, I'll just thank you, Father, that pray that you help us to get this message out clearly, and we give you all the praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Corey Ten Boom, she was like a Dutch Christian who helped the Jews get out of uh, Germany during the Holocaust or get, get away from danger. And she said this, she said, don't pray when you feel like it. Have an appointment with the Lord and keep it. A man is powerful on his knees. Three sentences there, and every one of them is good. And uh, the first one, of course, if we're all honest, including myself, if I prayed when I felt like it, I wouldn't do much prayer. Because, I mean, like, really, you'd want to watch TV all the time and, 
and do other things and not pray but you have to like actually decide and think i'm going to put some time aside and i'm going to make it my purpose to pray so i really like that statement and of course we do know this that uh you can you know uh, it's really not that you're powerful on your knees but what happens when we either pray you don't have to pray on your knees you know that but when we pray we get connected with god and god's really powerful and that's what happens when we decide we're going to pray so we're going to look into that before we do that i have a few just introductory statements to lay a foundation and then we're going to look at a scripture okay so here's just a few things i think it's important to always remind everybody and i do this with myself that god loves me and he loves you guys whether you pray or not because while everybody was still sinners god sent jesus and jesus came while we were sinners to die for a bunch of sinners that didn't deserve that and so god loves us the way we are but i like to say it this way god loves us so much that he doesn't allow us to stay the way we are he has done things to help us change and we go from glory to glory and from faith to faith but you always need to know when it comes to prayer when it comes to all those things fasting god loves you whether you do it or not but the reason we do it is because it makes a difference in our life we're not changing god but we get changed when we decide to do these things okay and then also just uh, some introductory things about prayer. Prayer is, in the simplest uh, definition, it's conversation with God. That's just a simple way that you can say prayer is conversation with God. And then we could say this about prayer too. It's the interaction of the heart and mouth talking with or asking from God. And, and that's what happens when you pray. You know, you converse with God and you interact with your heart and your mouth and you talk with God and you... And then you can ask God things. And God wants us to ask. You know, God, uh, God doesn't mind when you ask him for things, okay? And then um, further, if, if you look in the Bible, you'll see that the Bible uh, has these things that you find people fasted and prayed when you look through the Bible. They pleaded with God. They cried out to God. They humbled themselves before God. They sought God. They requested and petitioned things from God. They stood in the gap for other people. That means that you, you stand in the gap for somebody else you pray. Uh, you're between a person and God and you pray like that. Uh, they fell on their knees and prayed. Uh, they drew near to God. Those are like just some of the things going through the Bible. There's just so many things about prayer in the Bible. And then heartfelt prayer, just like, like further foundation here, heartfelt prayer would know these things that you know if you if you do heartfelt prayer you have to know that that god is willing to communicate with you god isn't too busy uh, uh and, and i know that growing up the way we grew up we didn't know a lot about god and we didn't know a lot about the bible so you would have a, a tendency to think that you know like who am i and does god have time for me but you know the the thing about god is that he's so awesome that right now he knows everybody's sitting in this room and he knows how many hairs he he knows the number of hairs on your head and like say for some he there's less counting than others <laughs> but he knows how many hairs are on everybody's head uh, and I, I like this this happened to a, fr a friend of ours years ago uh, from this city and just had struggled with things some things about you know insecurities and small city 30 plus years ago christianity wasn't as big in this city as it is today and uh churches were smaller back 30 plus years ago went over to the carolinas to a big meeting with thousands of people there was an evangelist up there preaching 
this guy sitting amongst thousands of people and then he realizes how big Christianity is sitting there having these thoughts that like who am I and does God even know I exist and right while he's doing it the preacher said you right there God wants you to know he knows who you are and he wants you to know that he you know he, you exist and here's the thing you know you have to know that God knows who you are he knows how many hairs are on your head and God is not too busy to listen to you and that's a big thing right there God wants you to talk to him he wants you to ask him things and that we have no idea how awesome he is because there's millions of people around the world that they he knows about every one of them all at the same time okay so so converse you know he wants you to talk uh, you have to know that God's willing to direct you if you if you go to God and ask for direction he will give you direction it might not come as fast as you want some things in our lives my wife and I there were some things that we put up before God for a couple years before we actually got clear direction on them so when it comes to the plan of God and direction sometimes it's not as quick as you want but you just keep doing it uh, and he'll give clear direction on those kind of things uh, we just have to understand that uh, also that God is so powerful that he has the ability to for anything in our life he he has enough power to change it but we have to know this about God that he's also willing to change it so he's able and willing to meet our needs and then uh, also you know God wants to comfort us God will you know you you go to God and you start talking to God and he will bring comfort to you and uh, we had, like my brother mentioned about, we had our brother that went home to be with the Lord. And I'll tell you a little bit about that later, that he's up in heaven. And I'll explain that to you later. But we, we weren't Christians at the time. And I'll never forget that. We're at the funeral home and we're going through everything you go through with a funeral. You know, and I was 23 at the time and my brother was 21 at the time. Your, your pastor was about nine, or you were about 18 or something like that at the time. And... Uh, and I don't know what happened, but there was a grace that came on our family, and somehow we handled the fact that my brother died, and we weren't even, that's, that's how merciful, God comforts, you know, he's a comforting God, and we got through that, and, um, and we had hope for the future, even though we went through something like that, and God is good like that, so he's willing to comfort you too if you need comfort. And then just a few more things, and we'll get into a scripture here real quick. You know, when we pray, we can accomplish these kind of things. Like when you go to decide to pray, you can ha just simply have communion with God. You can uh, pray, you can choose to pray and make requests. And we're gonna, that's what we're going to look at today. We're just going to look at some guidelines on how to make requests to God today. Uh, and then with prayer, you can just decide to humble yourself. Like the Bible talks about going to God and humbling yourself. You know, and, and uh, that's a big thing. Sometimes, you know, we don't realize it, but sometimes we can get prideful and sometimes it's just necessary to go to God and humble yourself and then uh, when with prayer you can move mountains you know uh, you decide uh, the Bible talks about moving mountains a mountain represents a situation in your life that needs to be moved and changed you know you can move mountains with prayer and then uh, simply you can cast your cares on the Lord you know and uh, that's a different thing you can do in prayer let's go to a scripture now okay so let's uh, we're gonna talk about Hezekiah this is about before and after and we're going to look at when, when I was asked to do this, uh, immediately this story came into my heart and I knew I was supposed to uh, look, use these scriptures. So uh, Hezekiah, if you don't know, was one of the better kings. And what he did please God because there were some really bad kings back in the days when they had kings in Israel. But Hezekiah actually was one of the better ones. He just did this one little thing. He kind of got into pride because maybe he was so good. <laughs> And maybe he needed to go to God and humble himself. 
Uh, but he did that. And so here's what happens in 2 Kings chapter 20 and verse 1. It says, about that time Hezekiah became deathly ill, and the prophet Isaiah, son of Amos, went to visit him. He gave the king this message. This is what the Lord God says, set your affairs in order, for you are going to die. You will not recover from this illness. Now, isn't that quite a word for a, a prophet? Now, just a little injection here. We're in the New Testament. This is the Old Testament. We don't need to have prophets come to us and give us direction. The Bible says about us, as many as are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. So you don't have to have somebody come and give you a word. But think about this. This is in the Old Testament. The only way they really could hear from God, you know, is they had to hear from a prophet because he wasn't inside everyone like he is in our covenant. God is in us and he talks to us and he directs us. And so I don't have to go somewhere looking for direction. He's on the inside of me. And you should understand that too, that once you get saved, God gets on the inside of you and he'll lead and direct you by his spirit and with his word. Okay, but here, this is in the Old Testament. So think about this. This is the way you hear from God in the Old Testament. Uh, and, and the prophet comes and said, you're gonna die and you're not gonna recover. Now, most people would throw the towel in. That's pretty, that's before, that's a death sentence. That's bad, okay? Then uh, instead of throwing a pity party, look what Hezekiah does in 2 Kings chapter 20 and verse 2. It says, when Hezekiah heard this, he turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord. Remember, O Lord, how I have always been faithful to you and have served you single-mindedly, always doing what pleases you. Then he broke down and wept bitterly. Now, there's one thing here that we also can inject here in the Old Testament because uh, Jesus did not yet do what he did. People went to God based upon how good they were and their goodness and what they did to get something from God. In the New Testament, because of Jesus, we go to God based on what Jesus did for us. So we don't go to God talking about how good we are and what we did. We go to God because of what Jesus did, okay? But this is the Old Testament, so we're looking at it. So he goes... And he says, look, at, hey, I've been a good guy, you know, and I've done all these things. And he cries, and he's very sincere. But what we want to see is, like, he made a connection with a living and powerful God here. And then we see what happens here uh, when there's heartfelt prayer. Uh, we, we saw, look at the, in verse number four, it says, but before Isaiah, that's the prophet that gave the bad word, had left the middle courtyard, this message came to him from the Lord. Go back to Hezekiah, the leader of my people, tell him, this is what the Lord God of your ancestor David says, I have heard your prayer and have seen your tears. I will heal you. And three days from now, you will get out of bed and go to the temple of the Lord. I will add 15 years to your life and I will rescue you and this city from the king of Assyria. I will defend the city for my own honor and for the sake of my servant David. So notice the after. The before was like a death sentence. The after was total uh, deliverance and uh, and 15 years on and God's gonna save the city and everything like that so here's a little thought you know and, and I this happened with somebody recently in our church where somebody a different person in our church uh, went up to another person and gave him like a bad word uh, about their life and then they came kind of like thinking to me like almost in tears and I said listen you don't have to receive that word and what you believe about yourself and what you go to God with and believe about yourself is all you need to be concerned about. Just toss that word aside, you know, and that, and that goes for anybody. So my point here is what you have between yourself and God is the most important thing. Your destiny 
really is about what you believe, what God says about you, not what somebody else would tell you. So Hezekiah went to God and look at even the prophet giving a word saying you won't recover because he made a connection with God, everything turned. You, you should never feel hopeless with God. No matter what you're going through, it can be turned if you choose to go to God with that, okay? So here's a little uh, sentence here that uh, came to me, really simple. Heartfelt prayer drastically changes things in our life. You know, so you can see it with your eyes and you hear it with your ears. You need to know that no matter what you're going through, heartfelt prayer can, you'll make a connection with God. It'll drastically turn and change anything that needs changed for the good in your life, okay? So just another thought about Hezekiah. You know, he's under, he's under Old Testament law and he deserved judgment, and, but instead he got mercy. And that's another thing that happens when we decide you may have got yourself in the situation you're in, but you need to know even if you got yourself there, if you go to God, you can have mercies. And I like this quote here. And uh, this quote says, our prayer and God's mercy are like two buckets in a well, while one ascends, the other descends. And that's kind of like what, you know, like his prayer, Hezekiah's prayer ascended up to God. And guess what? When, when, it, when his prayer went up to God, God's mercy descended down and his situation was turned around. And the same thing can happen with all of us. So here's some guidelines that we want to look at today real quickly. Uh, there's four guidelines uh, concerning prayer. Now, there's different kinds of prayer, but we're going to look at this kind of prayer. It's, that's when you make requests to God kind of prayer. So here's the first guideline, uh, and that's really simple. But if you're going to make a request to God, the first thing you have to know is you have to know God's will concerning your situation. You know, what's God's will concerning your situation? You know, and it's, it's for a number of reasons. First of all, you, you can't ask God for something if you don't know God wants to give it to you. So if you don't know God's will, you won't even ask him. And then secondly, it's important to know God's will because if you know God's will, when you do ask him, you're going to ask him with confidence. Because if you don't really know he wants to give it to you, you won't really pray with any kind of confidence. So the first thing when it comes to making a request to God is it's really important. You have to know what God says about your situation. And if you know what he says about your situation, it'll make all the difference in the world. Uh, so I, I told you I'd say a little bit about my brother Dave later. Uh, we grew up denominational, and we were actually we were encouraged not to read the Bible in the church we grew up in because it would confuse us. And I remember when we were told that by the, the pastor of the church, don't read. The, the, we were told we read the Bible and we tell you what it means. Don't you do it? You'll get confused. That's how we grew up. So we never read the Bible. And so my my we're we're sitting around the table one night, and and uh, we were all young. And I, I didn't do very good in school. I was always kind of in trouble, and I got bad grades. But my brother Dave, the one that passed, he got straight A's all the time. And so we're sitting around the table, and my mother's telling me she's kind of praising my brother for how he did his homework and then telling me how I need to do my homework. And, I'm, and so I start, I start telling my brother Dave, you're just a little big brownie sissy, you know, blah, blah, blah. You know? And right when I'm telling him that, he has a, a seizure and falls out of his chair, and he's having this grand mal seizure you know, and, and I freaked out. I don't remember what my brother Joe did, but I screamed like a, a girl at the top of my lungs and I ran around in a circle around in the hallway because it was so freaky. Then they took him to the hospital and after two weeks of testing, they said, 
he has grand mal epilepsy. And so he had to get, he had 27 pills a day. They put him on, dialetin was one of those, and dialetin makes you like slow and you're, you're like foggy all the time. So he went from an A student to a D student. We had to watch him all the time because if he had a seizure, he, would, uh, he couldn't ride a bicycle, he couldn't drive a car, he couldn't go near water. So um, we, we uh, and he got like kind of where he wanted to commit suicide over his life. And so he, he was taken to the minister of the church we were going, and he was told, this is the cross that God gave you to carry. And he couldn't trust anybody else with this cross. He trusted you. And we're thinking, man, that's God. We don't know much about God, but that's a weird kind of God there, given that kind of cross. You know, th there is a scripture that talks about a, carrying our cross. That's actually talking about uh, taking up the responsibility of preaching the gospel. It doesn't mean you sickness is not a cross we carry and god gives it to us that's not the bible the cross that we carry is when we decide to do what god tells us to do like share the gospel with people that's talking about picking your cross up okay but we didn't know it because we didn't know the bible we never read it so here's my point we thought god gave our brother that so why would we pray and ask god to take it away when we when we were told god gave it to him does that make sense you can't ask god for something if you don't know what god wants to give and we didn't know and then um, it progressed then to where he, the first time that my father uh, let him go somewhere without us, uh, we let him go to a party and they had a lake in the backyard and he had actually had a seizure and fell in the lake and that's how he died, he drowned. And so, uh, so we go through the funeral and everything and then we find out somebody led our brother to the Lord, two friends of ours that went to school with our, these two Italian girls, uh, we ran into him later and they said we led your brother to the Lord one hour before he drowned So that's why he's up in heaven and uh, that's what you need to know too If you have relatives, you know, you never know you might think they didn't get saved But they may be up in heaven because somebody might have talked to him right before they they died But that's a different thing. But here's here's my my point here When we heard that we made this statement because we still didn't know we said isn't that amazing uh, we were just baby Christians when we found out. We said, God is so wise, he, he didn't want our brother to suffer, so he got saved and then God killed him. We said that. So our revelation knowledge of God was progressing. We didn't know any better. We didn't realize that God didn't kill him. The Bible says the devil comes to kill, steal, and destroy. We blamed it on God. So here's my point in all of this. You won't ask God for anything if you don't know he wants to give it to you, okay? So the first thing you have to do is you have to know his will. The second thing is when you pray, you have to pray with your heart, okay? Pray with your heart. So um, effective prayer, it starts in your heart, all right? Look at this scripture, 1 Samuel 1 and verse 13. It says, now Hannah was speaking with her heart. Although her lips were moving, her voice was inaudible. Eli therefore thought she was drunk. But the point we want to make there is H Hannah... Uh, was speaking from her heart okay so when you talk to god you want to talk to god from your heart okay and and i like to uh use this story this this helped me many years ago even after going through all the teaching and bible school it isn't sometimes until you actually do something it doesn't matter that you go and sit and listen in a in a bible school it isn't until you actually put it into practice that makes a difference okay and so that's why i'm a big proponent a fan of local church uh, i'm so happy that I, I started a pastor because the local church and living christianity it happens in the church 
uh, not, not, and, and we do Bible schools, but you have to understand that you live your life and church is a big thing for living life and, and all those things. So, so we're, we're out in, in Sicily and our daughter gets a, uh, she gets a, uh, a fever and we're teaching other subjects, but we're all, we're, my wife and I are making positive confessions. We're saying our daughter's our healed child of the Lord. She's our healed child, but she's not getting any better. She has this really bad fever so bad that like her head was like bobbling around and we're in a country we didn't understand the language in that country we we didn't know how to speak italian we didn't know how to get help for her it's like you know that's where we are so on the third day of this fever you know and that's a long time to have a fever like that but we're we're busy teaching in a bible school and we're teaching different subjects we're not teaching about healing or faith so we're we're using our time uh, and putting our time into something that had nothing to do with what she needed I'm talking about getting your heart involved here. And so we were saying positive things, but our heart was not engaged with it. It was just coming out of our mouth. Does that make sense? You want to make sure when you pray that it just doesn't come from your head and out of your mouth. You want to make sure your heart gets engaged. So she start, we put her into bed the third night. She start crying. I got out and I took her out of, out of bed, okay? And, uh, and I told my wife, I said, you stay in bed, Patsy, and I'll, and I'll take care of this because you got up last night. But I said this, I said, I'm not coming back to bed until she's, she's healed. Um, and I, and I, don't, I didn't really know that that was going to happen. I just made that statement. It was, like, it was like my determination and my commitment to it, not knowing how it was going to turn out, really. But I took her, and I got her in my hands, and I started walking around. She was only about five months old at the time, you know. And I was walking around. I just start saying two scriptures. First uh, Peter 2:24, that Jesus Himself took our sickness and our disease upon Himself. And I, I started to quote that scripture. And I also went to Mark 11:23, that whoever says to this mountain, "Be removed and cast into the sea," and shall not doubt in his heart, but he will have uh, whatever he says. You know what? You know. So, and I, I'm just doing this real quick now for time's sake uh, with these scriptures. But I went back and forth, and I fed on those scriptures. And what happened is it changed me and it got my heart engaged and I was feeding on the right thing. I was refreshing my faith and I was refreshing myself with God's word and it changed me. And so I got to this place where then I, I commanded that fever from a different place to get off her. It was because my heart was engaged and what was coming out of my mouth was coming from the heart, not from the head. Does that make sense? And so I commanded that fever to get off of her. And to make a long story short, the fever left her. I put her into bed and she slept all night. Now, I want to make sure you understand that. That, was a, that really happened quickly. There were different times since then, uh, many different times where it didn't happen that quick and I had to do more praying and more work. So please don't think that will happen. But thank God when it does happen that quick, you know. And, and, and in the times that it didn't happen that quick did not hinder me. I still pressed in. And I still continued to pray even when it didn't happen as quickly as that did. But my point in all of that is I got, my heart got engaged. It wasn't just some kind of cold prayer that I, I heard three months ago that God is good and he heals people. So I just said that. It was like I went to scriptures and I fed and I got my heart engaged. It makes a big difference, okay? So you want to get your heart engaged. And then three, you want to believe you receive. Here's a scripture, Mark eleven twenty three and 24. It says, I tell you the truth. Uh, you, you know, concerning believing you receive, that um, you can say to this mountain, you may be lifted up and thrown into the sea and it will happen, but you must really believe it will happen and have no doubt in your heart. So please notice that when you're praying, uh, there's something about if you can believe it 
whatever you say and don't doubt you can have it so i like to say this you know you can't believe you receive if you're not probably uh like it was we were saying positive things about our daughter but i really didn't believe it because i really was kind of like on i was looking uh at other scriptures about other things that teach in a bible school and i was just saying things out of my head and saying it with my mouth but when i went to those scriptures and i fed it changed me and then i was able it really convinced me that god wanted to heal her and it really convinced me that i was able to believe that i received and it changed me so it's important that, that you have to uh, you know it's really good to go to the bible and feed on god's word it changes you and then you're able to believe you receive just like that scripture says okay so notice that one more time it says uh, when you pray uh, you it says you um but you must really believe it will happen and have no doubt in your heart the best way to do that is to go to the promise of god and meditate on the promise of god because it changes you okay and then the fourth thing is what you want to do is you want to be thankful you what do you do you find out what god's will is number one okay you get your heart engaged number two you believe you receive number three and then number four you want to be thankful look at this scripture philippians 4 6 it says do not be anxious for anything instead in every situation through prayer and petition with thanksgiving tell your request to god notice it with the thanksgiving so when you pray you get your heart engaged you ask god you request and then after you have it you say thank you father it's mine you actually believe that what you prayed for is yours you say thank you i have it now i received that it's mine and you give thanks to god for it that it's yours you don't beg god see if you know god wants to give it to you and you get your heart engaged and you ask and you believe you receive we don't have to beg god if god already said he wants to give it to us you don't bet you thank god that you say thank you lord it's mine okay so those are just four guidelines to help you with prayer so here's four questions that you can ask yourself uh, along the lines of what we just taught so questions to ask okay number one do you know what god says about your situation so if you're in a situation do you know what God says about it? Not what somebody else says about it, but do you know what God says about your situation? You'll only know that from knowing what God promises in the Bible. If you don't know what God promises and you need help, ask somebody that's been a Christian longer. Say, hey, I'm in this situation. What does God say? What, give me some scriptures. You can do that. Or, you know, if you've been a Christian for a long time, this is just a refresher to you. You know, don't forget what God said about your situation. That's the first question. Second question is how do you know uh, how to get your heart engaged? And based upon what I just taught, you should know if you want to get your heart engaged in it, you know, go to the promise that God says about your situation, what God says, and feed on that. Read that scripture, say that scripture, spend a little time in that scripture. You'll get your heart engaged. Okay, another question. Uh, do you know how to believe you receive? And it's really connected to the, if you know what God's will is, and you feed on that scripture you'll be able to get to this place where you think i know what god's will is i know he wants to give that to me i'm praying from my heart so i'm able to say yes i believe i receive i know god wants to give it to me and i just say thank you lord i believe and then the fourth thing is are you giving are you thanking god for what you pray for do you ever give thanks for it see once you pray 
once you find out what God's will is, you get your heart engaged and you ask God for something, every time you think about it, every time you think about it, say, thank you, Father, I believe I received that, it's mine. So continue to give thanksgiving. So those are just some guidelines to help you with your prayer life, okay? Let's pray. Father, I thank you, Father, uh, for all the people that are in this room today. And uh, before uh, have Pastor Joe come back up here, Lord, we don't want to leave here uh, without making sure that everybody in this room is rescued from death and rescued from hell like I got rescued. So, Father, thank you for sending your son Jesus for us. Jesus, thank you for being obedient and you came to earth and you died for us, you shed your blood, you went to hell for us, you became sin for us so we could be saved. Uh, thank you, Heavenly Father, for making that really real to any person that would be in this room that does not know Jesus as Lord. Thank you for making it real that you said that Jesus was the only way. He is the way, the truth, and the life, and that nobody can come to him except, no one can go to the Father God except through Jesus. There's only one way to God, that way is Jesus. I thank you for making that really clear to everyone. With eyes closed, uh, I, I want to give you this invitation. If you're with us today and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, we're going to pray a prayer together today, uh, this whole congregation, and you're going to have this awesome opportunity to pray this prayer with us and make Jesus your Lord. The only thing you have to do is, uh, I, I suggest you close your eyes when you pray because it helps you to concentrate and you want to pray from your heart. You really want to mean this when you pray. So what we're going to do, the Bible says if you, can, if you believe that God raised Jesus from the dead and you say that, you declare that, you'll be saved. So we're going to pray this prayer and all you have to do is uh, repeat this prayer with us uh, when we do it. So here we go. Let's pray this prayer together and this is your opportunity to make Jesus your Lord. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for sending your son Jesus. Jesus, thank you for coming for me and dying for me. Right now, I declare and confess, Jesus, I believe God raised you from the dead. Jesus, you're my Lord. Jesus, you're welcome in my heart to be the Lord of my heart. Thank you for loving me. Your love toward me makes me want to love you. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for listening to the BC Podcast. Follow us at A City Connected on Twitter and Instagram to stay updated, inspired, and encouraged.